the horse didn't jump the, the hurdle well, as, the, as they call it, the fence well. My head hit the ground first and going at that speed wasn't good. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Getting Back Up with me, Anthony Ogogo. In a world full of hyperbole, there is no hyperbole when talking about this guy. Today's guest, the one and only Brian Toomey. Brian Toomey was a jockey that suffered a severe head injury when he came off his horse in Perth, Scotland. He was given a 3% chance of surviving. British Racing actually tweeted condolences for the death of Brian Toomey. His parents had already given away his, his organs, had already arranged a funeral because everybody thought he was going to die. Now, Brian is the miracle man because he survives. Not only did he survive, less than 700 days after the accident, he was back on a horse competing again. Listen to this story. Listen to this young, brave man talk about the ups and downs, the twists, the turns that's happened to Brian and his life and where he's at now. I think you're going to love this one. It's very fascinating, very inspiring. You can learn a lot of lessons from Brian to me. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. Brian Toomey, the miracle man, the man that lost half his skull, the man that died on a on a race course and came back and achieved the dream. The miracle man. May first things first, I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions today. But the most important question I'm gonna ask you, and I really mean this, how the bloody hell are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Uh yeah, it was a difficult it was a difficult uh it was a very difficult time, but uh, I'm very lucky. So yeah, very good. So I want to learn about you, this the Miracle Man. I want to learn about you, mate. So yeah, 10 years ago, you stepped foot on a horse, which you've done your entire life, and your life just changed. Yeah, uh, I was going to Perch Racecourse in Scotland. Uh, it had a favourites chance. Um, so yeah, as as a jockey, you any opportunity you get, you... you, you uh, you you um you try your best and and you you I was going there with um with the hope of winning and it was never going my way throughout the race the horse was never was never at the races shall we say and just took a heavy fall and as as jump jockeys we take we take a lot of falls but it was um it was a bad one I mean I've I've seen that you've you've sent me the pictures I've seen the pictures it was a bad one I mean you haven't got to be a neuroscientist to understand that. Looking at the pictures, which I'm sure we'll put up, and hopefully they're 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 on there now as we're talking. Wow, like just wow. And what I'm fascinated by, mate, is as I said, I've read a lot about you, and I've I've I've, I've read interviews and watched interviews that you've done from a few years after the the, the fall up to now, and you've changed. Like the words that you've used in interviews is totally changed. You seem like a different person. To how you were even five years ago. Yeah. Um, listen, we we all have a story behind us before before um before this injury, we all have a story. But like just like yourself, I mean, I come from humble beginnings back in Ireland. I was brought up on a farm and uh yeah, a lot of hard work. Uh I did a lot of hard work as a kid and we we get rewarded for the hard work we put in. Um I didn't come from um from a racing family or there was no equestrian in my family. I don't know where the passion came from, but um, I was lucky that uh, I was lucky that um, I was bought a pony from a young age, and I was like 
it's trial and error really I, I taught myself most of it I taught myself but uh yeah I was very lucky um finished school in some sort of shape or form and um completed school shall we say and I came to England straight away so I've been in England nearly 16 years you're rushing you're you're, you're rushing there's loads you're, you're rushing through I really believe we are who we are because of what we go through like the things that we go through both at home and at school make us who we are um I think yeah I, I really believe that and we've just rushed through the first 20 years of your life and I want to go back and, and, and pick your points because I want people to be inspired by your story and it's such an inspiring story. Before we go into that, I will ask you a question now. Why did you survive when you were given a 3% chance of survival, your heart stopped for six or seven seconds, they resussed you on the course. Why you? Why did you survive? Have you, have you ever thought about that? Um, yes, daily. Um, I would like to take full credit for it, but I mean, the care of the NHS and surgeons and I think I had surgery on a Sunday. If that happens back home in Ireland, it probably would be put off until the Monday and it would have been too late. But, um, listen, I was very lucky. Um, but, uh, obviously I have a lot of determination, et cetera, et cetera, but a lot of it was not down to that. It was down to luck. And uh, obviously I, I did, I still had the hunger to survive, but um, I think it was the hunger to overcome it, which has got me to where I am now. Do you believe, and I, I, don't, I don't know what you believe in, if you're, if you're religious or spiritual or whether, it doesn't really matter if it's God or the universe. Do you believe that you survived because you have still have left, you still, you've got a lot left to give to the world? There's all something great inside you to give. Yeah, I should hope so. Um, I um, yeah. Some did they say someone was looking down on me? I think the whole world was looking down on me. To be honest, I was I like what my what my family were were brought over from Ireland uh, after I got the fall. They they had seconds to get over when when they had to get a flight when they had to come from airports etc. So. They, I think my family would genuinely think that it is the biggest miracle ever because they've seen me at my worst and seen where I got to, and now I just see how uh, how hunger how, how hungry I am to to achieve, and I'm probably a nuisance to be honest because every time they pick up the phone to me, I'm probably I'm probably yeah chasing, and I think that's one of the reasons why you survive because you are very hungry, you are very driven. And you have a goal and you want to get it. Doesn't matter what gets in your way or who gets in your way, you want to get that goal. And that's so inspiring. I really believe, like, that's a massive reason why you're still out here today. And um, yeah, the miracle man, I mentioned at the beginning, that you this it's not it's not hyperbole. In a world full of hyperbole, there's no hyperbole. It's generally a miracle that you're still here. Not just still here, but talking so eloquent, looking so smart, and there's so much energy left to give the world. So with that being said. Let's wind it back. So growing up on a dairy farm in Ireland, I mean, most people listening to this probably can't relate to that. I certainly can't. What is that like? Um, well, in terms of farms, it wasn't it wasn't a big farm. We uh, there was we had a lot of a lot of cows and probably over a hundred cows, maybe. Um, so they had to be milked twice a day. Um, they one they had a calf every year, so they obviously the calves had to be 
be looked after. Um, so are you like, are, are you milking the cow before school and after school or doing your homework? I can't, I've got to go milk a cow. Well, what happens? Um, yeah, I, I can say, I can say it was a daily task of mine. Uh, it was probably something I shied away from because I had other interests and my pony, my pony took priority. Um, so yeah, I, I probably dodged off a fair bit, but, um, when I was called upon, I'd like to think that, um, yeah, I milked many cows. I mean, it's unbelievably hard work, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It, it, it is a great grounding and obviously just, just, just like yourself, I, I, I did a lot. I obviously did a lot of research on you and obviously you, you didn't come from, like you came from fairly humble beginnings that you had said, and it's, it's good because it just gives you that hunger. Like it, it makes you, it makes you determined. It makes you want to achieve because none, none, none of it was handed to you. So you, you've had to work for it. I, I, it's, and then I think, I don't know if you agree, it, it becomes very rewarding when you do get a bit of success, you just want more and more. I, I, it's, it's, I wouldn't have changed my, my upbringing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change where I've come from. It's, it's, it's made me, it's made me, um, who I am. I think a hundred percent. I agree, mate. I mean. Like you said, very humble beginnings, uh, single parent, five kids. Um, we didn't have a lot. But when you don't have a lot and when you've got to work for what you get, well, just like you said, you hold on to it way tighter because you've earned that. That's yours. You don't want it taken off, yeah, and unfortunately it was taken off the board of us, wasn't it? But as I said, we're lucky to be we're lucky to be here and still still have a purpose, haven't we? We'll 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 get to that. We'll get to that, mate. We'll definitely get to that. So uh, your work ethic, I think, was um, instilled in you being a kid, a, a, a young man, a boy. So you said you got given a pony. I had a, a yeah, if I got bought a pony. I think I can't remember. It was years and years ago. I think it was like in Ireland every week we used to have this paper called the Farmer's Journal. It was called, I think, if I remember. And I think there was an advert up on it for a for a cheap pony. And yeah, we went. We my parents drove up with the cattle. With the cattle box, as we call it, like with the 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 box to to um for the cows to go in, and and we picked up this pony, and um yeah, it all it all starts from there, to be honest. So what? So how how did it start? Like, did you you got a pony? Um, was the goal always to be a racer, or when did that when did that dream kind of like begin blossom? It didn't. No. Um, I got going and neighbors, close friends of ours and neighbors of ours um, had horses and ponies, which they competed or raced. And um, it was, it was something that, it was something that I, I had seen and taken a lot of notice of. And I was competitive when I was younger playing sports and stuff. And I thought I put two or two together. I loved horses and I was competitive. So I thought, well, why not race them? It's makes sense. Um, but it was, uh, listen, it's, it's, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of practice, a lot of experience and it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It was, I was, once I got a bit better at, 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 at horse riding, I started competing ponies as a kid and yeah, it, it came from there to be honest. What is that journey like when, when one has a dream of, of racing horses one day and being on a telly and winning championships well again it's a lot of luck in it because you're on a horse do you make your own luck or does luck is luck thrust upon you because i've heard you talk i said over the years and you're very you sound very grateful now well you haven't always sounded grateful in your interviews 
Yeah, there was a point, obviously after the injury I had and when your career is taken off you, etc., you feel hard done by. And that was part of part of being a bit younger. That was part of my youth. Well, I was only young when it happened, 24. Um, so I was I was a, a bit younger then, a little bit more immature. And I, I probably felt very hard done by when all my friends are still out going racing every day and riding winners and, and I was and I was learning how to how to be human again. Um I, I felt very hard done by for a long time, but looking back on it, um I know the hunger I have now um to to become a trainer and to be successful as a trainer. And I doubt I would have that same hunger if I didn't if I didn't overcome what I did, if I didn't face what I did. Um so it's made me it's made me a very proud person and, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm proud how far I've come. I'm smiling, mate, because you're saying we've lived very, I often say this to when I have my guests on my podcast, I often say that there's loads of similarities between you and I, and it's weird. And I've, it's taken me a while, it's taken me 15, 20 times of doing this to realize that like driven people, their journeys often are very, they're, they're parallel very, a lot. Like when you have dreams and ambition, I often say, when I do my public speaking, like when you have goals, the bigger the goals you have, the more life happens to you. And when I say life, I mean the ups and downs, the twists, the turns, the setbacks, the amazing achievements, but the setbacks, like that's life. That's what life is. In for my opinion, it's not necessarily like how long you live on the planet, it's about the things you go through whilst you're on this planet. That's what true life is. And you and I, as you said, very, very similar stories, very achieved great things, had our things ripped away from us in the, as we're entering the prime of our lives. I'm smiling because hearing you talk so, so humbly about your, your journey. Yeah. Just like yourself again, you, you have to have a lot of self-belief and I guess I was, I don't know if I was born with that or did it just happen? But I think I was always the same in, in sports I played, like back home in Ireland, we play a sport called hurling. I don't, how do I describe it to most people over here? It's like hockey in the air, basically. Uh, um, and I loved it, and I did did well as a kid for my for my home club, and I got to play with a Limerick team as a as a younger as a younger kid. Um, so yeah, I was I had a lot of self belief in that that I should be I should have been on the senior panel when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I I thought I was better than I was at the time. Did you think you were good? Has it taken you this experience to realize maybe you weren't as good as you thought you were? I definitely wasn't as good as I thought I was, but I conned, I conned many trainers to put me, put me on many panels and I got, I, I, I achieved as much as I could as a younger kid at, at that. Um, but it's the same, it's the same as being a jockey. Like realistically, you're, you're running your own business um and you're you're selling yourself so you want owners to believe and trainers to believe that you're the best jockey there why would they choose anyone else to ride their horse when they could choose you so yeah self-believe is is a is a trait you need to have i think um certainly and it's just like yourself when when you started off you said when you went to your first boxing lesson no one thought you would have achieved what you've done and but you obviously taught somewhere that you yeah that you could i did yeah i, I often say that like i you know I think in life, two things be successful uh, and an unmatchable work ethic. You've got to put, you put the hours in, 10,000 hour rule, and unwavering self-belief because there'll be times in your life where it gets tough. 
and only believe knowing that you're going to get through this tough time or you're going to win that fight or win that race. They're only things that get you through. And I think they work hand in hand. The more you, the harder you work, the more you believe in yourself. The more you believe in yourself, the harder you work. They kind of go go hand in hand. Yeah, and as, as well, you, you get a lot of opinions, don't you? you? You get a lot of people doubting you or you get a lot of opinions coming at you. Most of them, you just got to let over your, just go over your shoulders because most of them are, are unimportant. And and uh, I think all of them are. The only opinion really is yourself, whatever you believe, what you believe will come true. And often when people, in my experience, when people tell you, you can't do something, you can't do that, and they might be saying that because they want to protect you or they might not think you're good enough. But when they say you can't do something, when you point the finger, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. And really what they're saying is, I can do that. I can do that. That means you can't do it as well. Um, no, no, no. It matters what you believe. You believe you can do something and you work hard for it. There's nothing stopping you. The glass ceiling, oftentimes we put on ourselves or we let other people put on us. Um, smash through the glass ceiling. Anyway, mate, this is about your story. What was your greatest achievement um, as a jockey? Listen, I, I didn't achieve, I didn't achieve masses as a jockey. I got injured very young. Um, I was hoping my career was going to progress even more. But I won on, I won races on some nice horses that went on to win nice races. But I, I was, I was content. I was um, making a good living. I was getting plenty of opportunities. I didn't, as I said, like I didn't achieve the goals I wanted to achieve as a jockey, but uh, there was still hope in the future, but future was had taken off me. Look, what is it about horse racing that really kind of gets, gets you pumped up? Well, it's that passion that I have for it, but like it's, it's, um, I, firstly, a horse is a beautiful animal. Um, and you think of, it's such an athlete, like you think of, you, you, you compare him to human athletes and you, obviously you know when you were as fit as you could be at the top of your fitness, you knew, you knew what went into that. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's quite, it's, it's so interesting. It's very unique how, how you can possibly get the best out of a horse, how you can make a horse perform to its best of its ability. And yeah, in a race, whether it's in a race over on the flat, which is maybe a mile on the flat, well, horses on the flat have to jump out of stalls. So they're putting stalls and then they have to jump out of them. So you need so much luck again from the get go. Um, and whether it's over jumps, maybe if it's two miles over jumps, a horse will have to jump maybe eight flights of hurdles or eight fences or 10 fences. So a horse has to, everything has to go right for it. It has to jump well, um, to keep it in a rhythm, to keep it to keep it to keep it traveling as they say and yeah it's 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 um tonight it's it's mind-blowing when you watch it even when i watch it every day like it's 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 something that um you're forever trying to work out because you're trying to work out horses how they're bred horses how they're trained and yeah it's 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 very unique is it is it truly exhilarating when you're on the back of a horse and you go into that speed is it like, is it good? Is it cool? Yes. Yeah, no place you'd rather be. It's, it's exciting. It's, you just keep, you just hope the horse can keep up that pace for her, for, for the dur duration of the race. But, uh, yeah, as I say, even as I, you asked me, like the, the winners I've ridden and the big winners I've ridden, even if it was low grade racing, maybe on a Tuesday at Fontwell or uh, anywhere else, you think, 
it, like even even to write a winner, even to write a winner at a low grade, like you get such a thrill out of it. It's it's um like it's someone someone owns that horse, someone trains that horse, maybe ten thousand people have bet on that horse. So you're you you've got a lot of you've got a lot of people to um to impress. Do you feel the responsibility when you're on the back of the horse? Do you feel the responsibility? And is the pressure coming from the trainers, the 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 people that have bet on horse, or is it from your own intrinsic desire to win? Where is that responsibility coming from? Yeah, it's a mix of all them, but you you got to handle the pressure. You got to handle, you got to handle all that pressure going into it. But um, yeah, listen, I've I've ridden I've ridden favorites in the past that have have never showed up. It's just it's just how it goes. But yeah, you you as as a sportsman, uh, you just you just got to deal with that, and I think you got to handle that. As best you can, of course. Do yeah, of course. Like pressure, pressure has stopped a lot of would-be champions from becoming a champion because they can't handle the pressure. Um, in boxing, you gotta stay relaxed, gotta stay calm. When you're relaxed, you can move faster. You can slip punches. You see the punches better because you're more relaxed. When you're tense and stiff, you you get gassed quick because you're too stiff. You can't punch as fast. You don't punch as hard, which is weird. You think you'd think if you if you load a punch and you, you you squeeze really hard, you'll punch harder. It's the opposite. It's the the punches are speed. You gotta be relaxed. When you're on the back of the horse, are you relaxed? Are you tense? Are you tight? What's what's your physical mind? Your physical body doing and your mindset? Where you at? The best thing you could do on a horse on the back of a horse is to be relaxed because it. They, they say if, if you're relaxed then a horse will relax um, and you can feel that underneath you if you're more relaxed then the horse feels under less pressure the horse is the horse is um, yeah he's as as relaxed as he, as he as he can be but that again again that's that's experience because as, as from a young age you're thinking to yourself oh if I, if I if I give the horse more rain the horse might might go faster or the horse might be I might the horse might run away, run away in me, as they say. So you might have no control, but that's that's down to experience. But yeah, as I said, the more relaxed you are, the the better, the better you are. Growing up as a kid, both in life and in racing, who were your heroes? Who inspired you? Well, you always look at the best and 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 the, the most famous, Sonia. And um, I mean, this was back in the day when growing grow up for me was back in the day before you'd Sky Sports or before you could watch racing every day. You on the Saturdays or on the big race meetings, it might have been on the, it might have been on your your normal TV channel. So I would have been tuned in from the word go. Um, but um, as I said, when when I was when I was younger and people around me that were were successful, you'd look at them and you think, oh, how can how can I be that successful? And you'd try and learn as much as you could off them. Um, I'd ask a lot of questions, probably annoyed a lot of people, but. As I said, it's if I didn't ask them questions, I probably wouldn't be where I am. So I'm glad I did. Same as me, mate. I'm an, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, even now I go I go on courses now. On the and I, I often I often uh, before we anywhere I go, I did a course recently, and before I was like everyone, just so you know, I am that guy who asks annoying questions because I need to ask. Because if I don't, in my head, I just yeah, I need to ask. So like I often make a joke of it now, but I am that guy who asks questions because I want to learn. I'll learn and I'll get better, and I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not going to be embarrassed and not ask questions if I, if I don't know. No matter how they always say, there's no silly questions because if you don't know, you don't know, and you only learn by asking. I think. Um, so another thing I struggled with horse racing and and and, and car racing 
is some horses are better than other horses. Like some cars are better than other cars. So it's like, in my head, it's like being a boxer. If a boxer's a middleweight, boxing a lightweight, well, the middleweight's going to win because he's, he's bigger, he's better, he's stronger. Like, so I guess what I'm asking is, how is it fair? How is it made fair? And why is A.P. McCoy the best racer in history? Does he not just ride the best horse? How much credit does the horse get? Well, 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 what makes a good race is what I'm asking. Well, it's just like, it's just like, it's just like any sportsman, as you say, you, you, you explain the hard, the harder you work, the, the, the better you do. Yeah, sometimes that's not always the case. Unfortunately, you have to have a lot of talent. You have to have a lot of, you have to come across well as a person for people to like you and give you them opportunities, I guess. Um, but as I said, you mentioned AP McCoy, obviously he was a very professional sportsman and was very hungry and was very like his determination was out of this world. Like he, um, he, uh, he's one of them kind of type of people. If he turned his hand to anything, he would have done well at maybe. Maybe couldn't see him taking on you in the boxing ring, but he he would have been he would have been, had a go, uh, wouldn't he? He'd have got stuck. Yeah, he would have definitely had a go. Um, but I, I, like I said, with horses and jockeys, a lot. Yeah, listen, a lot of it's down to pedigree, like how you're bred. Um, a lot of it's bred into you, and as you just yeah, a lot of it's not. Um, but I guess the harder you work, and the more determined you are, and the more dedicated you are to your desire, you you. Uh, listen, with a lot of luck, you can get there. We've, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is this, and I don't know that many jockeys, if I'm being entirely honest, I don't want to disparage anybody because this podcast isn't about that. This is about putting positivity and, and love and, and, and happiness into the world and inspiration. Let's say Apin McCoy has got a six out of 10 horse and then a, 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 a rider who's not as esteemed as Apin McCoy, not as good, but he's got a 10 out of 10 horse. Can A.P. McCoy make the 6 out of 10 horse beat the 10 out of 10 horse if the jockey's not quite as good as him, if that makes sense? You're going to... I'm going to mention the word luck again, which I've mentioned already, but like throughout a jumps race, you do need a lot of luck because things have to fall right for you. You have to... The horse has to jump well. The horse, you have like has to like not use up too much energy throughout the first part of the race. Um. So, yeah, uh, so... Nine times out of ten, A.P. McCoy wouldn't have made any mistakes on, on how the horse should be ridden, on how the horse would have jumped. A.P. wouldn't have, A.P. wouldn't have made any mis made any mistakes in that kind of sense. Um, but and A.P. McCoy would have been stronger in the finish than a younger jockey. So if a horse needed that bit of encouragement, that bit more of encouragement, then A.P. McCoy was definitely going to get the better. So it's like decision making. Making the right decisions at the right time and getting the most out of that horse. Yep. But a lot of it's down to conserving energy, as I just said. So, like, if you, if you don't have experience at, at a typical kind of race course, if you don't know what works best at this race course or what works best at that race course, then it's gonna it's gonna have an effect if 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 you don't make the right decisions. Right. Back to you. Back to the miracle man. Now let's get into the journey. Let's get into the story. So as a as a youngster, you were very good. You you excelled. You did great. So how much of Perth do you remember? And this is now I want to be like as sensitive as I can. Um, 
about it. It's obviously a, a life-changing thing for you. Um, my mum, my mum had a had a brain injury, a brain injury back in 2012. Um, she had a brain aneurysm, and reading bits about your recovery, very similar to her recovery, which I was there for and I helped her. So I understand how traumatic a brain injury can be for a loved one. Obviously, I can't even imagine what it's like being the person going through that stuff. So I want to be as, as sensitive as possible. If I ask anything which is uh, insensitive, I apologize. I, I just want to learn. How much of your childhood, how much, how much can you remember now following the accident? I, I get asked this quite a lot. I can't remember much of my childhood, but is that just part of getting older? <laughs> Um, I can't remember, I can remember people, I can't remember a lot of things that have happened. Um, but if it was, yeah, I, it might, my, my child, I my, my long-term memory was, was very badly affected. Short-term memory was very good. Long-term memory was, was like, like if I have been reminded of things that have happened in the past, or if I've seen pictures of things that have happened in the past it might be there in the mind somewhere. You know what I mean? I might remember little parts of it. So when you go for a race, what is the, what's the protocol? Um, you said there's a second race of the day. Did you feel, you mentioned earlier about like things weren't great from the get go. Things are a little bit off. Yeah. Um, luckily I've, I've watched it back so many times. Um, the horse wasn't traveling from the get go. The horse didn't seem to, the horse didn't seem to jump well. The horse wasn't in a good rhythm. So you don't, you, you, I didn't, well, anyone watching it or me riding it didn't feel like I had any chance from the get-go. Um, it did definitely didn't have a favourite's chance. It was favourite before the race. It was favourite to win the race, but it didn't, it didn't ever look like, it was never in contention um, to be a winner. You can feel that. You, you just know that when you're on it and how it's responding to you. Yeah, and you feel like you're, I was using up so much gas from the get-go, I was asking him a lot of questions and, and trying to get him to, trying to get the horse to travel a little bit better to to make it a bit easier for me and him, but it just didn't seem to happen. So you're off, right? You're off. What do you hear? Like, when I, whenever I've watched horse racing, I know the noise is so loud. Galloping, the, the hooves on, on the track. Is there, what, what, what sensory, what sensory thing can you, can you feel in those moments? You hear the horses' airways around you. Um, you hear the, the if depends on depends on how soft or heavy the ground is, um, or, or quick the ground is. You'd hear the horses' hooves galloping. Um, yeah, and you'd hear you'd hear the commentator. Um, closer to the line, you'd hear the crowd. Um, so yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's, it's a thrill really because when when you're on a horse, there could be. I don't know how many thousand people at the races, or it could be it could be at the at a big race, mean like Cheltenham or Aintree, um, where there'd be hundred thousand people, or how many, however many hundred thousand, how many thousand people there, um, and yeah, it's it's exciting to think that everyone's there for for what you're taking part in, so it's very exciting. Whenever uh, in boxing, um, you can't really you can kind of hear the the roar of the crowd, but not really. But the weird thing is in boxing. When you get hit, it's silence. And that silence is deafening. And it's a strange feeling. 
and I've, 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 as I've said, I've watched your interviews and I've, I've watched The Fall, which is gut-wrenching. What, if anything, did you feel or hear in that moment? Was it like a, a punch in boxing, silence, or was it noise? Well, in that fall itself, I heard nothing because I'd lost consciousness. But in more in 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 most falls, you have you you'd hear the thud, or you'd hear you'd hear like you'd hear horses' legs kicking off you on the way past. You know what I mean? Or horses galloping over you, which is it's not nice, but it's um, it doesn't it doesn't put it doesn't put jockeys off. I mean, it's a uh, it's um it's something that you accept. It's going to happen. You just you just either if you're lucky enough that that you haven't broken anything or that you can get up and walk away from it then you um you just leave it behind you and and move on and get on with the next race um it's um yeah from from the fall itself yeah i don't remember anything i didn't usually you um yeah usually you'd hear it but not that one what happened what went wrong ah the horse just the horse didn't jump the the hurdle well as as they call it the fence well um and it just tumbled over on landing and Whatever way my head hit the ground, um, my head hit the ground first. Usually, you'd put an arm out to, to, to for the crash your landing, and you'd get you get your arms out to 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 land as good as you can. Um, but my head hit the ground first, and going at that speed, thirty miles an hour or whatever speed it may have been, um, yeah, it's um, the velocity of the fall obviously kicked in and wasn't good. So obviously from that moment, you have no recollection, but you know what happened retrospectively being told by the, the medical professionals. So what happened? Um, an air ambulance was called apparently, um, but because of the severity of a head injury uh, or because I'd lost consciousness, I couldn't go up in the air. So then an ambulance obviously took me there's two ambulances following us around anyway in a race so that just proves how, how dangerous, it, dangerous it is um so i was taken to dundee hospital in perth um with a three percent chance of survival i'm always quite intrigued how they work out the percentage of chance you have of surviving but yeah it's it's i guess after you've lost consciousness maybe that's that's the chance of survival you have i guess yeah and i'm sure they they, they see these they, they, these awful lot the head injuries the trauma you know what you've You've been through, and your heart stopped on the on the course. Yeah, I lost consciousness for six six or seven seconds. Um, so yeah, I um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy to think. I, I I can't believe I've been through it or that that has happened to me. But so they rushed you to Dundee Hospital. Um, what were the doctors and nurses doing to you at the time? Was it a case of he he might die? in any second or was it a case were, were you stable but just fragile uh no i after losing consciousness, i think i was i was put into an induced coma and part of my skull was removed um to make room for the brain to swell um and this was all happening while my poor family were flying over from ireland um they, i mean they had minutes to get over and and they were it was going to take it was going to take half the day by the time they had got to the airport and flown over and stuff. So it was, oh, I can't imagine how hard it was for them. So I was put in an induced coma, which part of the skull removed. Um, I think I was in an induced coma for up to two weeks. Um, 
So yeah, so when my family landed over, that's what they seen and that's what they come to see. So when your family arrived, um, they they half expected to arrive at the hospital and you not be there anymore. As serious as that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it even made the paper that, it even made, not the paper, but it went out that I was, I'd lost my life and everything. Everyone, as far as everyone was concerned, I, I'd lost my life. I remember, yes, you were British racing. They, they tweeted that, didn't they? They, they tweeted you'd passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was, um, yeah, they have that, but, uh, like my mother would come over, uh, my family would come over and my mother had my funeral arranged, um. So everything, everything was, everything was, yeah, they, they had said, nearly said their goodbyes. Goodness me. Your poor mum, your poor family, your poor you, everyone. It's just, uh, I can see why you're so grateful now. I can, I, I get it. I mean, how quickly your orchidage went away. Wow. So, that was, I mean, needless to say, that was a, your lowest ebb. Was that your lowest ebb there? Or was your lowest ebb when you were recovering? I found recovery very hard. Um, like you, 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 from from listening to doctors and neurosurgeons and from whatever you look up online, you um, you try to. There's no facts on when it comes to brain injuries or head injuries because every every one of them is so different because you don't know what you don't know the exact what part of your brain cells have been injured or been damaged um so recovery it was and one neurosurgeon had said to me that you um you'll you'll recover for up to 16 or 18 months i think he said but i i'm i'm definitely against that i i I would put years on it i don't think i don't think recovery happens that quickly well when it comes to the severity of it um and i doubted throughout my recovery even though I didn't let on because I was a proud I was a proud young competitive sportsman and you 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 kind of you always put out this image that oh you're the you're the hard man that nothing affects you that that I'm not soft that it's not bothering me but yeah I I didn't let on to anyone including myself how, how how difficult I found it because I was always I was down my recovery and I was I was always worried that because of because I had a bad brain injury or head injury that everyone was always going to doubt me for the rest of my life because when you when you mention head injury or brain injury people people automatically think that oh that that means that that he's going to have, this is going to affect him that that's going to affect him that his mind is going to be completely damaged and that yeah so I I did I did for a long time as I said doubt my recovery what did you really struggle with in those moments? I really struggled that I wasn't going to get the the life back that I had, the career back that I had. I mean, I I was I was very young. I still had a I still had ten or fifteen years left in my career uh, as as a jockey uh, without injury. Um, and um, I was just I was just getting going. I was I was. I was ready to take on the world and as as I said it was it was just taken off me and I um I did yeah recovery recovery is a lonely place. Yeah, my mum my mum said the same. I remember uh when my mum was in hospital 
It's a brain aneurysm. I walked in. I was then training for the Olympic Games. It's five weeks before the Olympic Games. And I um, I went to go and see her. And I walked on the ward. And she was in an induced coma. And I looked around and I thought, everyone just looks so bad. Like everyone on the wards looks so... It was like they were all women. But taking gender aside, it was like something you think you'd see in like a World War One hospital. They all just looked so bad. And I thought, my mum shouldn't be here. She's not. I'm like that. So I can't even imagine. And she was early 50s at the time. I can't imagine a 24-year-old young man, professional athlete, in that situation. And as I said, like your, your, your poor family having to look at you like that. And uh, I'll say it again, but to have you now in front of me talking so eloquently with such gratitude just shows that you really are the miracle man. Not just surviving that horrible incident, but being who you are today and now, the truly, truly the miracle man. I'm very proud to have you on here today sharing your story. It's, um, no, listen, I, I really appreciate that. And it, coming from someone like yourself, it, it means an awful lot. But listen, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, as they say. And it definitely, it definitely, because it was a very, as you said, it was a very lonely place and I hit a big low and I never want to get, I never want to be there again. I always, I just want to, it's, it's been a long climb, but I don't know, I'm not there yet, but I'll continue. Um, I'll continue climbing until, until I get there because as I said, it's, um, yeah, it's, and you don't think, you don't think like people don't understand, like say like my, my injury, you feel like no one understands because most of the time no one's lucky enough to survive what I survived. And secondly, secondly, people just don't understand when your life is completely taken off you through a, a career ending injury or when you're a sportsman doing what we're doing and it's, it's just taken off you and you just said your mother found it very lonely as well. Like you feel like no one around you understands and you feel like everyone, everyone now thinks not less of me, but now everyone now might doubt my, might doubt my, the rest of my life. Another thing, obviously my injury wasn't as severe as yours. Um, but I also had my career taken away from me and, and something I really struggled with was Losing my identity, and I'd always been Anthony Gogo, the boxer. I was with the boxer, and I was on the cusp of becoming a world champion and, and getting all the money in the world and all the belts in the world and all the success I ever wanted, and ripped from me. And the, one of the hardest things, forgetting the success and the belts and the money, but losing my identity. Did you struggle with that? Yeah, um, I went from being. I went from being. A northern jockey as I was classed as to becoming the miracle man or the, the lad that survived that bad injury I mean it was fairly well documented it was it made made headlines but it was um yeah I was yeah it's I I, I only I only wanted to be a jockey I, that I only wanted that as my identity not anything and yeah it's it's it is difficult I was going to end on this, and there's loads more to talk about, by the way, so I'm not going to end it anytime soon, but you just said something quite powerful. Um, I saw you say, I've always, I'm always going to be known as the ex-jockey with the injury, but I want to be known for my hard work and my race and mind rather than a broken brain. I think everyone listening to this already, and there's still more to go, um, can hear how much you love the sport, 
how passionate you are. Everyone watching this can see a cheeky little smile you keep doing whenever you're talking about something. It's like, it's a problem. It's like, you still love it and you're way more than the bloke with the the broken brain. And weirdly, I mean, this is the nicest way possible. You're way more than the miracle man. Although that's an amazing, like, amazing moniker to have. You're way more than that. You've got so much more to give. And we're going to talk about what you've got left to give a bit later. But I just hope you know how well you've done to come back from that lonely place to be here now, sharing your story to help other people. I think that's, that's fantastic. So the recovery, 150 days in hospital. 57. 157 days, an extra week. <laughs> I ain't making a week off yet. 157 days in hospital. I mean, it sounds silly me saying, like, what was that like? But what was that like? I don't remember it. Oh, really? Okay. okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, okay. So, moving to another question. So, your your family would come in and see you, I presume, often. What had they told you? Like, when could you? When did you remember them? I presume when they came in at first, you had no idea who they were. I I said it in an interview before. I don't. My sister was meant to get married um, a few months after my injury, and I feel really bad. But she actually put the wedding off until the year after because of my injury. So they had to cancel the wedding because of my injury. I because you're gonna it for your sister, bloody hell! Yeah, I know. Bastard. Yeah, I feel so bad, but um, they still got married anyway, so that's good. Um, but it, um, so my family had to come over and back to when I was in the hospital in Scotland, and then I moved to Middlesbrough after a few months. I moved down to Middlesbrough Hospital, but um, yeah, I don't remember anything of being in hospital. Um, they had a list that people had to write on when they came and visit me, and it was I, I really appreciate everyone, everyone that was so kind and everyone that went to went to went to that effort to come to see me like it honestly means an awful lot and like the cards the cards and the letters I was receiving off kindness of not even the racing community but everyone like no one likes to see something like that happen um even bloody Sir Alex Ferguson even sent me a card and um the Queen Mother got rest her I got a card off the Queen Mother um it was yeah it was to look back on to look back on what like how how much people care um, when you go through something like that. It does mean a lot. It does make you think that, you know what, people actually, no one wants to see that happen to anyone. And it just gives you an extra bit of drive that, listen, you, you, they see you at your worst, so let's get back to your best kind of thing. Um, so as I said, I, I, I remember after I got out of hospital 157 days later, I had to go back for um, a lot of checkups. Um, I still, when I, when I came out of hospital, I still had staples in my head from where the, from where the plate was fitted. Um, so there's the staples had to come out, I don't know how many months later. So I had to go back into hospital and get them staples removed and then had to go back for scans and checkups and yeah, um, I, I know hospitals very well. I'm very familiar with hospitals by now. So, um, yeah. I still heard you say before that your mum arrange your funeral should also arrange I'm, I'm, I'm smirking because it's you, you laughed and you said it but should also arrange for your organs to be donated and I mean I don't think she put them on eBay but it was uh, they were yeah they were they were 
they were they were going to be given away. But as I say, if if I couldn't deal, if I couldn't, if I didn't have use for them, then then some other poor misfortune would have had use of them, I guess. And to be fair, getting a professional sportsman's organs, I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> you'd, you'd want them, don't you? I wasn't champion jockey, so they wouldn't have. I'm sure not everyone would have been crying out for them. But as I said, if if they save someone else's life, then so be it. Um, what was the th- what was the first thing you remember? I, my sister got married the the, the July after my, my injury happened on the fourth of July, Independence Day. So my sister got married the, the following July, and so that was obviously a big thing back home with my family and stuff. And I had to go home to Ireland for that. I remember parts of parts of my sister's wedding a year later. When you remember things from being a kid, like now, is it a nice feeling to remember stuff? Yeah, um, well, all all my friends that I grew up with and stuff that I'm still friendly with now, um, when when I'm in their company or when we speak, dif- different things might have come up about the past, and it might be like it might it might play on my mind then for a little bit, and I'm, I might try relive that moment, or I might try, I might try to remember parts of that. So it's it's been, yeah, it's been good having still having my friends that I grew up with because as it, it they 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 do remind me as much as they can of things that have happened. Who supported you? You mentioned friends who in your, in your family. In these tough, tough times, who supported you? Who, who metaphorically and literally held your hand on this on this journey? Um, listen, I, I, my family have been good, and and I've good friends of mine. And, and so, listen, I, I, there's there's no one I could pinpoint. There's no one I could. I, I there's no one in general I could I could point out and say. Oh, but I have so much people, and they all know who they are. And I just, I'm just very grateful, and I really appreciate everyone that was showing their kindness to me and, and because I was still a young lad and my family were in Ireland so people probably like my best friends and pe- people probably looked out for me even more because they, they didn't want me to be on my own they didn't want me to be alone and when you're in hospital I know you can't remember but what was your mindset like so at first I guess you it's a really difficult question because I know you can't remember this it took a year before we kind of had some memory back but can you recall, or your family or friends around you, can they help you recall what the targets were? For example, and I use my mum again as reference, any kind of similarity in my life. At first it was like, my family, we're not particularly that religious, but we were doing the old, like, please God, please God, let my mum survive. And then she was in a coma for months. And then she, uh, she got over that hurdle. I remember the doctor said, he said, um, she's not out of woods yet, but she's stable. Then the next milestone was, oh, she's not going to die from this. Not not now anyway, which was amazing. Then the next bit was like, well, now she's got to learn, remember who we are. The next one was, she had to learn to write again and to walk again and talk again. And she, had to, she really struggled with getting in and out of cars. This is, this is months and months and months later. Do you remember the little target you set yourself and the goals? And when was that? Because your big comeback story, we'll come on to it later, but the big comeback story, getting back on the horse, was obviously a few years later. When was that a realistic target? That was always a target, even though people thought I was, people thought I was on Cloud Cuckoo Land, people thought 
this will never, ever happen. You'll never be back to that health and strength. Um, doctors and trainers and owners will never see that happening or never allow that to happen if they can. Um, but getting back to when I was in the hospital, I got, I had to learn how to walk in a straight line again, how to, how to make a cup of tea again, I think was part of occupational therapy. Um, so yeah, I had to learn all that before I could, before I could, before I could even walk again. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's it, 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 a very open question. Um, I, it was, I, that was always my mindset that I was always going to get back on the horse, that I was always get back being a jockey. And listen, not, not that I want to prove things, people wrong, but it definitely proved a lot of people wrong because I, I was lucky enough to, to, for that to be able to happen again. What was, was it? Were you trying to prove them wrong or prove you right? What was it? Or a bit of both? Part of an immature mind was probably a bit of both, but realistically, it was only my. It was my goal. It was no one else's goal. I just, I just wanted to achieve that goal. And the whole, like people say, nothing is impossible, and I, I do actually believe that. Like, um, I just think it was. It did seem impossible, but as I said, I, I, I did, I achieved it. They made you did, and you did well. <laughs> you, um, I've heard you say you. you you held it against certain people. They tried to slow you down in your recovery. And they read reading between the lines. It sounds like you kind of fell out with some people during your recovery. Uh, what was that about? Yeah, uh, people, I, 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 I always felt people were trying to put barriers up in front of me when they were only right, uh, given what I've been through and, and given that they were only trying to look out for me. But I, for some reason, I was, I was holding it against people for, for getting in the way of my dreams, for getting in the way of my goal. Um, for people maybe doubting my, doubting my, my drive to overcome everything. Um, and as I said, again, that was part of being younger. I probably, I do regret, I do regret, um, putting distance between me and anyone who's ever, who's ever who's ever doubted it or who has ever gotten away kind of thing. Was it your drive, your drive of getting back on the horse and being successful and, and living out your dream? That's what put distance between people, you and the people trying to stop you from doing that. Yeah, basically. Um, and they just cared for, listen, they've seen what my family have been through that they, they, they didn't want me to be. So, um, they didn't want me to do it again and put myself at such risk and put my family at, at that risk. You're sitting here today, mate, very eloquent young man, still a young man with a lot of life left to live. Um, and again, this might be hard for you to answer. This might be something that other people have told you since. What are some of the main differences between you pre-accident, 11, 12 years ago, and you today? Um, I'm hungrier. I'm just like, if I have a Hungry goal, now. I just... Yes, oh. well, far more. Um, I'm... I'm probably annoying because if I've got a goal, I, I, I need to, I've got certain tasks that I have every day that I have to achieve, that I have to do them. Otherwise I'm, I'm unsettled. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'd be, I'd be far more relaxed when I, when I, when I, um, 
when I get one step closer to whatever I'm chasing, if I'm if I'm one step closer, if I do if I do something every day that gets me one step closer to it, I'm I'm happy. I had a guest on my podcast, uh, Sam Ward, who's a British hockey player, uh, plays for the men's GB team, and he's a striker. Now Sam uh, had a hockey ball smashed in his eye in an Olympic qualifying match in two thousand and two thousand nineteen, two thousand twenty, and he's basically blind. And his death eye, very similar to me. Our difference is he got back to playing. Well, I never did, competing. Um, now, incidentally enough, Sam, he has some vision in his eye, uh, but he's lost some of it. He's became a, a better hockey player since the injury, madly enough, but also a better person. He says that two-eyed Sam was a wanker, brash, young, cocky, a bit of a dickhead. He said one-eyed Sam... He's all right. He's a nice guy. It's humbled him, made him more driven. He's had to become a better athlete because he can't see as well. So he, he's faster, he's fitter, he's stronger, takes him nutrition uh, more seriously. But as a person, he's way more humble. He's a nicer person. So it's really interesting how the worst things that happen to us can potentially be the best thing to happen to us. Would you, don't get me wrong, I'm sure you want to kind of take over the, the, the last 10 years, but the person you are today now, are you pleased? Of, and, and what Sam would say, Sam says he'd give all his money in the bank away to have two eyes again, two working eyes. But the person he is now, he wouldn't change that for nothing. Do you feel, is there some similarities there? Yeah, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm proud what I've overcome and I'm, I'm proud of the person that's made me. Um, I'd like to think I'm a decent person and getting getting into getting into business. I, I hope that people will, will will hopefully see that I've got good traits. Um but yeah, I listen, it's life. Everyone hits lows in their life and bad things happen to everyone. It's not just me, it's not just you. Um but when we've when you when you've been hit with such a with such um a bad thing to happen in your life and you've you you've you've been you've been at the bottom you've been where it hurts like you've you've been where no where where no where no one understands and to overcome that and to kind of for that to give you more strength and for to put all that behind you i think it's yeah you you've you've um you appreciate you appreciate to be back where where you on the track to where you want to be kind of thing um so yeah i i do agree with 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 it with everyone that says that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and and as i said what doesn't makes you makes you a better person so let's talk about the big comeback the big comeback so from accident to getting back on the horse the first time not competing but back on that horse um how long was it and what was that journey like I'd say it was, oh, I was well over a year, year and a half probably until I got back on a horse. Um, it was difficult because obviously people around me were very worried and thought it was crazy and didn't want, didn't want to be around me when I was on a horse in case anything bad happened. They didn't want to witness, they didn't want to witness my metal head hitting the ground again. Um, so it was difficult because I, I felt that, I felt like I always had to, um, try convince people to to let me do it or um 
but as I said, it was it was it was my passion, and it was everything that I. It was it was all I wanted to, to do when I got up in the morning. It was all it was my only, it was my only, it was my main priority. Um, so it was um, a lot of fitness. When 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 you're out of the game for long enough, you you lose a lot of fitness. It's just like any sports. Um, so, I mean, you use muscles in your body for for riding a horse that you'd never use in the gym or that you'd never. It's like it's it's your body takes a long time to get back into that full strength again. So, um, yeah, I went from being very weak to strengthening up as much as I could. Um, so that, that, that took, that takes a long time. Um, but I always had that competitive edge that, uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't forget, I didn't forget the skills you need or, 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 um, what went into it. It's just, it, it just took a long time to, for everything to fall back into place. Were you scared? When you first got back on a horse, I don't think so. Um, obviously, in anything, it takes a long time for for confidence. You you have to have confidence doing everything. So I I guess I can't remember really, but I guess it took a long time to build my confidence back up again and to to get back into the swing of it. Go back on a horse, get back trading. Where is the first race? Um, well, I couldn't reapply for my jockey's license for two years after the injury. For after a head or brain injury, you you can't reapply for two years. So um, it took two years to reapply, and in that time, I had to get loads of references off doctors and neurosurgeons, and loads of tests and fitness tests, and a lot of things like that. And finally, I um, I convinced the British Horse Racing Authority to let me back on the race course again, to let me back being a jockey. Um and everyone was against my um me that decision for 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 me to be allowed back um because they were they were too worried. Um but it was I think seven hundred and thirty eight days or something I think um before I raced again. So yeah that was it was um a goal achieved. There's a really famous story, Muhammad Ali, my, my sporting hero, when he was uh, unable to box for refusing the fight of the Vietnam War. Uh, the, the America took away his passport. He couldn't travel, took away his boxing license. Couldn't really earn any money. He went from being one of the most richest athletes in the world to being skinned, to being broke. So uh, Joe Frazier, who became uh, the next heavyweight champion, who they obviously had three fights, Ali and Frazier, three fights that to compare to his titans went against each other three times Joe Frazier gave Mohamed Ali money just to live because he, he, he was skinned um, did you get much support from um, from the horse from, from the racing community during his time uh, financially like how are you coping how are you surviving of you you're a professional athlete but you can't compete how are you making money who supported you did British racing do enough oh lords um, I mean we've got Professional Riders Insurance Scheme. We got um, Injured Jockeys Fund. Uh, listen, people have been incredibly kind to me, and yeah, we're lucky that as because Professional Riders Insurance Scheme, we still obviously if you're out of work, if you if you out of work through injury or through illness, like yeah, we're lucky that we're we're on a wage, etc. So yeah, the dead that was never that was never a worry. That the people that was that's there for us, and and the kindness was was incredible. That's amazing to hear, and anybody. 
on the British Boxing Board of Control or in, in British Boxing or in World Boxing need to listen to this and do something about the support the boxers get or the lack of support the boxers don't get because we don't get anything. Nothing. Like, it's so bad. And as I said, we need to learn from, from British racing because it's disgusting how 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 poor the sport is from the British Boxing Board of Control. They take... The, the British Boxing Board of Control take a percentage of each boxer's purse if you're a journeyman or if you're Tyson Fury boxing for millions of pounds. They take a healthy percentage and offer no support boxers when a boxer suffers an injury, uh, especially, you know, a brain injury. So that's really good to hear that you've supported um, so well. Whatever, whatever, whatever grade of a jockey you are, that's there for you. And yeah, a little percentage of our of our riding fee of our of, of our wage goes into an insurance scheme. I'm surprised that's any different in 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 boxing in your industry. Um, I mean, it's where however length the injury is or however however bad it is, they're there for you. They're there for your family. It's it's incredible. Um, and it's it's it's, it's dead right. So seven hundred and how many days was it? Seven hundred. I don't. I don't get the days wrong. I don't. I don't get told off by you again. <laughs> get the days wrong. I'm gonna. I'm going to say seven hundred thirty-eight. I hope I'm right. Seven hundred thirty-eight. You got back on and you raced again. Please talk to. You. So by now, by this point, your memory is is back and and it's good. You're able to remember things. Yeah, I was still probably living on Cloud Cookie Land a bit, but that was only true excitement that was only true that was a lot of reasons why but um yeah i was dead excited about getting back um shouldn't mention dead but i was excited about getting back and i um my family came over to watch to be there to witness my first race back and it was obviously they were very proud but worried at the same time um and yeah i was glad to i was realistically I don't know how realistic I was because I was never going to get the career back that I had and people were always going to be afraid to give me opportunities in case because I had a metal bit in my head that my last fall, I lost consciousness. So people were going to be too worried to give me them opportunities. But for some strange reason, my mindset was that I I would I would prove people wrong and that I would I would get back and I would get them opportunities. But... Um, it was goal. It was goal achieved. So that I take that box. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I saw something you said. Something like, um, you 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 got back. You achieved the dream. You got back. You did exactly what you said you were going to do. But your second, your post injury career, was disappointing. And then I heard you say it was unrealistic for you to think you were going to get back to the level you were at beforehand. Uh, why was that? Like physically? Like are you able to do? We like we physically able? To oh yeah. Use- but not, 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 it's not physical. It's not physical, but it's it's because in in the sport I'm in, in wrestling, you like it's to to be successful, you need the opportunities to get successful. So you need the the like um, the trainers to give you the chance to to the chances. And I I, I just wasn't going to get them chances. Um, so that was that was the reason behind it, really. Um, and listen, it was it had nothing to do with I was still as good as I was when I got the fall. Um, and you hope you went as I went on, um, as I got older and wiser and better, I would have got better. So I, no, it was, it was never, it was just down to get the opportunities. So, uh, mentally, mentally you're able, you're, you're, you're sharp as ever. 
you can make decisions under pressure. You can cope with everything. Your brain is functioning like perfectly now as was before. But now you've got the added determination, added drive, added hunger, and added humidity that maybe didn't have before. So right now you're you're a, a better human being now than you were 10 years ago pre-accident. Yeah. So I keep telling myself. Um, yeah. I, obviously, yeah, but that's part of growing up too and becoming older and wiser. And um, obviously you... Um, you go through life and, and, and I'm, 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 I appreciate things that happen in my life and I appreciate, I, I, I'm very grateful as I said. So how many races did you have when you came back? Your second, your second post-injury career? Uh, 23 or four. And when did you realize this isn't gonna? Um, I went home. And my family were like really worried about me. That like they said that that there came a point where, after a few races, that they were afraid to turn on the TV and watch me ride in a different country because, because how how what they've seen or or, or because what they've what they've dealt with and, um, I just thought you know what I I I, I've tried it out for, for nearly a year and. I'm not getting the opportunities and I need to, I need to be fair to myself and be fair to my family that it's, it's not fair on them for, for, for what I'm putting them through after, after, after like they've stood by me through everything. So I, I made the decision that it was no longer, it was no longer, um, it was no longer fair for me to continue my career as a jockey. It's extremely, takes a big man to do that takes a, a a lot of, a big person a lot of individual to do that to have that have the sense i think and the humility to do that and to make a decision not just off yourself but for your family as well after what they've been through so i think that's that's really really strong of you but it must be very difficult because you'd work so hard to learn to make a cup of tea again to walk in a straight line again to go through that and to get strong enough physically emotionally mentally to get back on the horse and then to give it all up again it's um no, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, well, I would, I would, I would say, I just, just from hearing you there, like, yeah, the injury was very severe, but we don't need to go into it. But the mental side of things is is just as difficult because you're you're dealing with you're dealing with you're trying to deal with it all, and like, it's it just plays in your mind for a very very long time and you you always think of what if like what if but this it takes it takes a lot of strength and willpower to overcome the the mental side of it i think have you had therapy counselors to help you through this um in the early stages i i i did a little bit but i was i was i am I was a bit impatient and I never gave a thing. I never give anything a chance back then, but I wouldn't, I would say it, listen, it, it's very good and it's, it helps some people, not everybody, but within the mindset that I had, I didn't feel, I felt my goal was getting me through it, that I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't have, um, it wasn't needed. I didn't think for me back then. Is there something you might venture down in the future? Um, yeah, I, I would never rule it out, but I, I just think that 
different things, as I said, work for different people. And when I've got goals or aspirations, that's, that's all I need because that takes up all of my energy and it takes up all of my focus. And yeah, I don't, I don't think of anything else. That's incredibly inspiring here and now. It really is. So mate, so, so right now, we sit here today, right now, what's the new goal? What's the new dream? What's the new ambition? What's going to take you through where we are now to the next chapter? Because you're still a young man. You're 34 years old. Um, even if you had the horse racing career that you wanted to have, you're going to have a bigger second chapter. It's always going to be longer than, than the racing career. So what is the goal now? Yeah. Um, since the injury, I've, I've um, worked for different trainers and got more experience etc and i've completed my trainer's course um the goal of becoming a trainer um and yeah soon soon to become a trainer and hopefully hopefully i pick up the support and i um i become successful um because that's that's my drive that's my goal and yeah um if i ever train the horse for you in the future i'm sure i would make the headlines (laughs) I uh, I think everyone who's listened to this and has watched this can concur with me. Anything you set your mind to, you achieve. Um, I think you're going to be a wonderful trainer. You can, I, I can hear the passion in your voice. I can see the excitement when you talk about what you love so much. I, I get it, mate. Um, where can I put a bit on for you to, to put on you leading uh, training a uh, a famous horse one day? Um, what? To close, mate, this has been a, such a powerful conversation. I've really enjoyed every second. I, I could talk to you for hours more. What advice can you give to people that have gone through tough times? Because people aren't, I think, touch wood, people, some people are going to have serious like uh, brain injuries. Hopefully, most won't. But tough times are tough times, regardless of what they are. What advice can you give to people that are struggling to get through their struggle and to persevere? I just think always have a goal, um, even if you don't have one and if you don't think one is realistic. Listen, as I said, nothing's impossible. Um, even, and, and you, you, you get that sense of achievement by, by, by working towards it, by achieving, by getting a step closer to it, you, you get that sense of achievement. So that, that gives you more determination. And I just think always have a goal and, and don't listen, t- t- take everything on board, but don't let everything get to you. If, if don't let people doubt you, um, always, always get, let that give you more drive. Um, as I said, if, because it's net, it's the, the, not everyone is out there for it. Is not everyone. Not everyone is out there to um, to um, encourage you. So just as I said, don't don't let anyone get in the way, and and just try to have a goal and something to work towards because you've got a purpose. Then you've got something to get up for to get up in the morning, um, to get a good night's sleep. So you'll be up in the morning, and you'll you'll have all that energy to work towards it. Yeah, that's fantastic, mate. That's that's fantastic. Well, well, I'm waiting for the film to come out. When's the movie going to come out? Um, where can people follow you? Um, reach out to you if they need to, if they want to. Um, where can they can they continue to follow your journey? I don't have any social media at the moment until I start, but keep an eye out for Brian Toomey Racing because it will, it will, it's, it's, 
yeah, it's the main focus and it's, um, yeah, it's hopefully we'll, we'll get going. Mate, I, I do not doubt you for a second. Mate, I cannot wait to catch up with you. What about in England are you at the moment? I'm in Berkshire at the moment. Uh, hopefully we'll be in Buckinghamshire at some point soon. Fantastic. Fingers crossed, mate. I hope everything goes well for you. You are a man that deserves all the luck in the world. Um, I know you've had a lot of luck already. Also had a lot of bad luck. Um, I think I think you're going to be successful at anything you put your hand to. And you've obviously got so much passion in racing. And I cannot wait to see where you are in five years' time. Thanks very much, and I appreciate it. And listen, you're an inspiration to everyone as well. You've been you you haven't you've been through your fair share, and you've overcome it. So, um, as I said, it's it's. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll meet in the future. That's, that means so much coming from the Miracle Man. Thank you so much, mate. Have a great day and let's catch up soon. I really enjoyed that conversation with Brian. I really did. I remember when I recorded it with him, I had a great day that day. I felt like I'd kind of shed something that I've been kind of holding on to listening to, to, to Brian's story and I enjoyed it again. I listened to it last week to kind of, to prep, to, to, to re-listen to his freshman mind to do this, the, the intro and, and the outro. It's a great conversation with a young man. The reason why I like that podcast so much is because Brian hasn't always been where he is now in his life. I've listened to interviews and read articles of Brian when I was researching him and he sounded really bitter. Granted, this was earlier in his recovery. He wasn't quite where he was at at that point when, when I spoke to him recently. So when I spoke to, to Brian, I, I was unsure how the conversation was going to go because, as I mentioned, you know, he wasn't where he was at when I met him, when I spoke to him. So I'm really proud of him, actually. Really proud of him for, for coming so far on, on his journey and for doing so much and for getting where he is at now. He's now a, a, a qualified trainer. He's now training the, the best young horses in the country. As I've said, I don't know a great deal about horse racing, but I know about people. And that is one strong, determined man. Um, he did an article once. He said this. I'm going to read it out. He said, I'm always going to be known as the ex-jockey with the injury, but I want to be known for my hard work and racing mind rather than my broken brain. Brian, I mean, listen, mate, I think um, everyone listened to that podcast, listened to that conversation between you and I, they they heard your passion for for the game for the industry they've heard i certainly heard that you you left the sport like myself actually in, in boxing you left you left your dreams unfulfilled and yet yet you still want to achieve those dreams or hit those the, the heady heights that maybe your talents you know, deserved and you couldn't get there I don't doubt it for a second mate i think you're going to go and have an amazing career as a as a trainer as a coach and um yeah the, the world's the oyster for yourself you kind of you maintain that I, I loved how he said when he's got a goal when he's got a drive that's all he really needs we're all gonna go through tough times in life we're all gonna maybe we might not all get like punch in the eye and end up basically blind in one eye or you're not gonna fall off a horse like 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 brian and end up with you know serious brain injury but you're gonna go through your stuff you're gonna get knocked down and this whole podcast is a, is, is a library of people that have been knocked down and refuse to give up. 
and only got back up and persevered and achieved maybe in the same field or in in different fields so please take Brian's inspiration on with you in whatever you're doing understand that when life gets tough and when you do find yourself on the seat of your pants looking up you can always get back up that's the only option always get back up and push on and get up with renewed enthusiasm and drive and determination to be successful in whatever success is that's the great thing about success like my success and your success may be very different my idea of what success is and yours may be very different and the funny thing is my idea of success now is different to five years ago certainly different to 10 years ago so our idea of success changes it's it's you know it's it's pliable you can change it, you can move it you can you can change your idea of success and that's the great thing you know it keeps us keeps us hot keeps us moved keeps us energized and Brian I'll end on this Brian made a point about always having a goal gives you a reason to get up in the morning always having a goal I think that's so true you heard it here on the Getting Back Up podcast you listen to for free yeah didn't go to a therapist and spend £150 an hour or two that's how much mine cost <laughs> um, it's you know have a goal have goals big goals small goals medium-sized goals, goals for the day, goals for the month, goal for the year, goal for the decade. Have goals and work towards it. Life is way more fun. And as I've said many times on this podcast, the bigger goals you have, the more life happens to you. The life is the ups, downs, twists and turns, the good bits and the bad bits, you know. And we grow from both the good and the bad. So listen to Brian. Brian, thank you again, mate, for coming on and sharing your amazing story. You are the miracle man. You're still here. And you're still spreading your your wisdom from the things that you went through. I'm so happy that you're in a good place in your life now. And um, I wish you nothing but success. So, listen to Brian, everybody. Get a goal, no matter how big or how small. Work towards it. Make that the reason why you get up in the morning. The goal could be for you. The goal could be for somebody else. Doesn't matter what the goal is. But have a goal and work towards it. Yes, you will get knocked down. When you do, always get back up. Tune in next week. The podcast drops every Tuesday. Getting Back Up podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Anthony Ogogo. The, the podcast Instagram is at Get Back Up Pod. Find me on TikTok and Twitter. Um, and reach out to us. Drop us. Who do you want to hear from? Who do you want on this podcast? Who are you inspired by? Who do you want to learn more from? Shout out. Shout us to DM me on, on, on the gram, either, either account, and send me some names. Let's get some guests on. And please, um, as you are doing, I know, listening in your droves, you're commenting, you're liking, you're leaving comments, um, sharing it. If you think somebody could listen to, could benefit from this podcast, please share it to them. And let's just make this podcast grow as, as big as possible. Guys, take care. Have a great week. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>